0: Guy with SJ, Wellfire.com. Hey, I'm pleased to announce Pastor Larry. We've talked a little bit about Pastor Larry and his Bible study. He's been studying Ephesians 6 for the last three to four years. Good day again. This is uh, Pastor Larry. I hope uh, this broadcast finds you being very victorious in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he has blessed you beyond measure in your spiritual life and in your spiritual walk. I... I always counted it a joy to do this, even though I can't see you face to face. I know that a lot of you out there are maybe going through a lot of problems, a lot of difficulties in your life. And I have empathy for you. I have not been one who's been immune to all that myself, but I have found that the Word of God helps me tremendously especially when I was going through that time of great anxiety about three years ago, and great fear. There's a lot to be fearful about in today's world, are there not? There's a lot of things to be fearful. But, you know, it's not a sin to fear, but it's a sin to, to uh, dwell in that fear. And it actually, if I may be honest, is... Dwelling in our fear is lack of trust in what God had said. So, again, I emphasize, the Word of God must be in our hearts daily. We must practice it. We must read it. We must study it. Study it to do it. To pray through it. Trusting on the great interpreter of Scripture, which is the Holy Spirit. Even sometimes... Christians will study their Bible and not depend on the Holy Spirit to give that message to their heart. So I appeal and reach out to you as I prepare and get these messages ready for today. It's uh, a lot of hard work, it's a lot of research, but I deem it a wonderful thing to do for the brethren's sake. I love preaching the gospel. And in every message, you'll hear the gospel. I know that most of you are believers, but there are maybe some unbelievers that need to hear that message. And I don't want to miss them. may turn into, into one broadcast and not another. So I want to get that message out. We talked about the truth last week. A lot of different voices out there. How do we know what the truth is? And Jesus taught us very plainly. He is the way, that he is the truth, and he is the life. I make no apologies for that. I believe what Jesus taught, he taught the truth. He lived the truth. No man could accuse him of sin and still couldn't today. I believe that he died for my sins, as he said he would do even in the Old Testament, a thousand years before it ever happened. He said he would be buried in a rich man's tomb, and that happened. He was said he would rise from the dead, and that happened. I would invite the skeptics out there that may be listening to investigate that. Investigate it thoroughly and impartially because there's much, much evidence for the fact of Jesus' resurrection, death, burial, and resurrection. And folks, that's the definition of the gospel. That's the good news. Now, you may have said last week, here, for those of you maybe who have doubts and maybe you are unbelievers, we talked about fear. The Bible does not want us to fear, but there may be a couple questions, such as, aren't we supposed to fear God? Now, if you're a believer, you have no fear for God. Or, Well, I, 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 let me backtrack on that. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We should fear the Lord in the sense as this way for believers a reverent, holy respect for who God is, that He is the very God of the universe, the very God of creation. Yes, we should hold Him in high esteem and reverent fear. And it's like a father to his son, to his daughter, that if they do wrong and they're disobedient, Then they know they'll be punished. And they fear their father. What's you know, my mother used to say, wait until your dad gets home. So there's a little fear there for me, but I didn't doubt my my father didn't love me. I was just doubt <laughs> fearful of the punishment that was gonna come. That's the same way the father works with his children. But I read last week there's there also is another father of those who don't believe, and that's The devil. Oh, Barry, did Jesus say that? No. Jesus taught that. You're an unbeliever. You should have every right to fear God. You know, I think. Yeah, it was Jesus who said, "Fear not those who kill the body." but fear the one who can put both body and soul in hell. That's a very profound statement. And I want to just let you know, if I could scare you into heaven, so be it, I would do that. But I want to appeal to you through the love of Jesus Christ. And Christ has appropriated a way that we would not have to be judged. Like I said before, but you must come to the cross before you can... before you can partake in the life of Christ, you must kneel before the cross, you must give your life for His life. spiritually speaking. And maybe at some point, physically speaking, you must repent, you must give yourself, your whole self to Jesus Christ. He'll set you free. There's a lot of forces working out there to keep her from doing that, and that's what we talked about last week. And I'd like to read a passage before I start today. In 1 Timothy, you might want to mark this down. Satan's process is to, or his schemes, and the King James calls it wiles, is to keep you from that truth I just talked about. says in first timothy chapter 4 you're writing these down now the spirit speaketh expressly this is from god because it says the spirit speaks here that in the late latter times and i believe that we are living in those latter times some shall depart from the faith and why have they departed because they gave heed seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. And listen to verse 3. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from certain meats. God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and here's this thing we talked about last week believe and know the truth so what's your defense against the doctrines of demons and not falling from the faith is the truth the truth of the word of god and how the holy spirit expresses it through that word and we're going to be dwelling on these verses more when we get later into the, into the messages. So we've been talking about how to be strong and courageous from Joshua. We covered the fact of realizing God's presence is with you. And if you would turn, it'd be a lot simpler if we go to the book of Joshua, which I'm doing right now and you may do. As we talked about these Six points right here. Number one is realize God's presence is with with you. That's in verse 5 of Joshua 1. It says, There shall not be any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I am with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor will I forsake thee. And in verse 9, If not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid. There's that fear factor we talked about. Neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee wherever you go. So number one, how to be strong and courageous. Realize God goes with you, believer. He goes with you no matter where you go. So depend upon him. Realize God's presence. Number two, ruminate on God's precepts. And that was found in verse 8. It says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate. We use that as, uh, as a uh, ruminating. That's actually what the word means. It Chew it up. Therefore, day to it day and night. It's just talking about Be consistent not just five minutes or ten minutes a day, day and night, you may observe what to do. you got to give the Holy Spirit something to work with. You need the Word of God in your heart so He can work with it. That's a way of blessing. You may observe to do according to all, not cherry-picking and just observe to do part of what the Word of God says, but all of the Word of God. Why? Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. You want to be a successful Christian? You want to be victorious over Satan and his demons? And over your sin nature and over the world? That's the formula right there. So realize God's presence. God has given us his word to to, uh, chew up in our hearts and our minds. And then the third thing was respond to God to practice. And that's, again, verse 8. And that's to do it. Not just be hearers of the word only, but be doers of the word. So we're to practice. We're to obey. Remember that little hymn that says, Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Fourthly, recall God's promises. That's verses 2 and 3. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all the people into the land which I do. Give them even to the children of Israel. That promise to Abraham was made way back in Genesis. I'm throwing this out. Genesis 12 or 15. I think it's Genesis 15. He's asking God or joshua to remember the those promises number five was being a role model and abraham the patriarch was a role model i talked about picking out role models in our lives uh one of my role models is my pastor he helped nurture me as my mentor as i was growing up in a christian back in the early 70s and I look at uh, who I listen to on radio, and it's uh, Dr. David Jeremiah. He's Even though he doesn't realize it, he's a mentor to me also. And then I talked, uh, last but not least, recon your persistent enemy. You have to know the enemy when you're going into battle. Or before you go into battle. We were in training when I was in the Marine Corps. We were trained to know the enemy to know how he works what his tactics were um how we kind of thought you know you really couldn't get into his head but so it was important to be in that training and that's what we're going to spend time on um on these series of messages and i and I've, I've been mentioning a few of them along the way too so it's uh knowing your enemy and our enemy is whom it's not your neighbor it's not your kids your enemy is Satan it's in the spiritual realm where the battle is being fought and here's the seventh one point I'd like to make is that uh, God has a purpose for your life you know it's when David wandered around in the wilderness it's because David lost his sense of purpose of being a king like God had called him to do And when he had the most trouble is when he lost that sense of purpose and he started doing things his own way. God made one man over the leader of Israel at this time, and that man was Joshua and no one else. So Joshua had a purpose. He was to lead the people into the promised land. And I I actually believe... uh, Listeners, that uh, the reason believers, one of the reason believers become discouraged is that they lack purpose in their Christian walk. Of course, we all have a general purpose as a Christian. And that general purpose is to, to walk holy and to walk blameless. Therefore we glorify God by doing that. That's a general purpose for all Christians, but every Christian has a specific purpose. My job in the Marine Corps was to carry a radio. That was my purpose. My purpose was to not to walk and be a point man. My purpose is to know how to operate my radio and to know to let others, to train others also to be radio men within my platoon. So I knew my purpose. And a lot of us do not understand what God wants us to do for a specific purpose. A lot of times it's because we don't look for it. Ask God. Be in His uh, manual daily, which is His Word. And let God speak to you. He will show you His purpose. He's promised to do that. God has given us all a calling. And I may use the word job, but I'll say calling. God has given us a calling to do within the body of Christ. No exceptions. And if I could, I want to read Romans chapter 12, which proves my point. Romans chapter 12. You might just want to make a notation on this and verses 1 and 2 which says, I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind We're going to talk about that when we talk more about the helmet of salvation. Why should I do all of this? Why should I be holy? Why should I sacrifice myself? That you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So, it looks like we have to live holy lives. Blameless. That means with integrity, by the way. Before others. God's always going to have to deal with us and discipline and punishing us and trying to bring us back on track. It's going to be hard to find God's purpose for our life, the place of our calling, the place to be. We're in the body of Christ, and Ephesians talks about that. And God has given us all a calling to do. Some of us are arms, some of us are legs, and that's the picture of the body that Paul gives. We all have different responsibilities. In our walk, that's why Paul says in Ephesians 4, after he makes all these great doctrinal statements, walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. Our walk is a daily thing. So to get the big purpose of God that he wants for us, that daily walk, step by step, And the general purpose of being holy and blameless is a walk. It's a putting one foot in front of the other. And being faithful in the little things. And God will look at us and say, if he's faithful in the little things, he'll be faithful in the big things that I put him. So, we all have a work to do in the body of Christ. Some believers are afraid that God wants them to do something that maybe they're not going to want to do it. That's maybe why they don't look for for their purpose. Oh, I might have to go to the mission field or God's going to call me to Africa or he might call me to witness to my neighbor whatever that is. God might call me to be a pastor and we become fearful. We will become fearful if we're not obedient. Remember that's part of the armor. We're not obedient to the word of God. God will sustain us and empower us no matter what his purpose is for you and us. God gave Joshua a purpose. He told him to be strong, be courageous, don't be afraid, I'm with you. I have a purpose for your life. Believer out there, God has a purpose for your life. He will lead you, he will sustain you. So walk in that way, step by step, fulfilling his general purpose for your life. And then he will reveal that specific purpose for your life. And God will empower you and he will sustain you. This is the way to biblical joy and biblical happiness. You know, if we're outside and I found this out the hard way, if I'm outside the purpose, purpose of God. I'm not, God, I'm not a very joyful Christian at all. So, to keep our joy and to keep our walk pure, we must be in that walk step-by-step obedience to Christ. Being faithful in our daily walk. He gave us the gifts. Everybody has a gift from the Holy Spirit to help us to accomplish that purpose. Listen to Ephesians 4, 7 through 8. Quote, But to each One of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why the scripture says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. So God has given you a gift. And there's many other verses that we could dwell on at this time. I don't know your specific purpose on this earth as a Christian. But God wants you to be fulfilled. He wants to have you blessed. And to be outside of God's purpose for, uh, for you leads to fear and discouraged life. Ask God for wisdom. Now, to break this down into the subject of spiritual warfare, and not to discover your purpose in God's program, is to, is to be defeated by your enemies in the spiritual world. You'll drift around aimlessly. As you would do in battle, as you would do in a a physical war. And if we lack wisdom, like I said before, ask God and he will give it. That's what James teaches. God does not save us to go our own way. This is probably what fear of people being saved want to get saved because they know they can't be the captain of their own ship anymore. They have to have Christ directing their lives. We are to walk worthy of our calling. My greatest purpose in life, and your greatest purpose in life as a Christian is to glorify God and His Son, Jesus Christ. And by walking in that purpose, we understand why God is to be glorified through us. You know, God could have, when we got saved, He could have taken us to heaven, but He left, left us here for a purpose. God has given us a reason to live the blessed life, to enjoy Him forever. That enjoyment of Him forever starts the moment you became a Christian. To share in His divine plan of the ages, to see others, come to know the Savior. Can there be any higher purpose than this? Absolutely not, my friends. And we will have rewards in heavens to boot. Thanks for listening. We will see you next Sunday. I will pray for you, even though I don't see you. But you're in my heart, I know you're out there. Have a good day in Christ.